0: Hello everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. I hope you all have had a fantastic week. I hope you all have enjoyed the content that I've put out on Kentucky Daily this week. Uh, we're going to be continuing a string of interviews with guests, led off with Jeff Goodman, Jimmy Docks in the middle, and now you're going to get Jay Billis of ESPN. So a solid week here on Kentucky Daily. If you've been missing guest episodes, this was your week to listen to the pod. So if you're catching this one, and you haven't caught the other two, I recommend going back. We've talked a lot about this U.K. basketball roster and what it means to John Calipari this offseason, how crucial it was. Seven new faces on this roster. We talked a lot about that. But today's episode with Jay, it's going to be a little different. We are going to touch on Kentucky's roster, but I also want to talk to Jay about some of the things going on in college basketball, whether it be NIL, the impact, if there's going to be any on the college game from NIL. We'll get Jay's opinion on that. I want to talk to him about possible rule changes to college basketball, whether that be the block charge, six fouls, uh, moving to quarters instead of halves. I'm going to get Jay's opinion on those. And then uh, just going to talk to Jay a little bit about the transfer portal and how Kentucky has been impacted by it this offseason. And does John Calipari need a second championship at Kentucky? Obviously, you all listening to the show will say yes because you want another one. Uh, but I want to talk to, to Jay more along the lines of what would a second title do for John Calipari's career at Kentucky. Right now you're talking, and you, you guys know that it followed me for the last four years. I wrote a piece in 2018 about what it would do. Not necessarily that Cal needs one, but how it would separate him from Rick Pitino, from Joe B. Hall, from Tubby Smith. Obviously when you're talking coaching careers at Kentucky, I think you're talking Nate up Rick Pitino, John Calipari. I mean, those are the great times, right? Uh, especially early on in the Cal era. But a second title would separate him from Patino when it comes to Kentucky. Only Adolph Rupp has won multiple titles. So I want to get Jay's thoughts on that. Uh, A lot of good things happening on Kentucky Daily. I'll be be glad to get Derek back next week. We're going to do two mailbag episodes, a basketball-only mailbag, a football-only mailbag. Now that this roster with basketball is pretty much in the closing form of it, we want to talk and answer your all's questions that you have, whether it be recruiting – whether it be how this roster is going to work together and some anything you have about U.K. basketball. And then we're going to do a football-only mailbag to talk anything you want, quarterback position, recruiting, wide receivers, transfer portal, anything you want next week. Uh, We will record both. Uh, So be looking for me to put out a tweet sometime on Saturday or Sunday, a basketball one and a football one. Be sure to reply to those with your questions, or you can send me DMs. If you have submitted mailbag questions this week, I will move those to those mailbags. If it's a football one, I'll put it in the football one. If it's a basketball one, I will put it in the basketball mailbag. But as always, this show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub, three locations, one in Palmville, one in Williamsburg. And then the newest location is located in London, Kentucky. We are planning to do some shows from the Butcher's Pub very soon. Now that things are moving towards getting back to normal, Derek and I have both discussed making it down to the Butcher's Pub, probably the London location to start, record an episode there and do some things. So we'll, we'll make sure we get that information out. People that are in the area, if you want to come out, listen to the show before we even publish it to the podcast feed, may do some Facebook stuff. We, we've talked about a lot of things. We have a lot of things planned for this podcast. It continues to grow, but we're grateful for the Butcher's Pub support from beginning to now. And moving forward, you can visit the butcherspub.com for more information. Check out their three Facebook pages for menu. Uh, They have live singing, all those things. The Butcher's Pub is a fantastic place to be. I recommend you all, if you're in one of those three areas, to make it out to one of those locations. But I'm not going to waste your time anymore. Let's go ahead and jump into that interview with Jay. Jay, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Jay, obviously, we we knew after a nine and sixteen season that this was going to be a huge spring for John Calipari and the Kentucky men's basketball program. J- just what to this point do you think about the job that he has done with the transfer portal and putting this roster together? Now, seven new faces on it.
1: Well, yeah, it's hard to say because you don't really know. Um, you know, you could say last year that uh, that you know Duke and Kentucky and Carolina did a great job. They didn't win. So at the end of the end of the day, you're going to judge how you know, how these classes were put together by how the team wins, and it's it's in uh, in some measure uh, more difficult now than it has been, but it's in some measure um, you know easier because you've got um, you can replace a roster right away, and that wasn't true years ago. Um, but it's just a question of making the right decisions and being able to put the pieces together as best you can.
0: It's obviously the transfer portal has been a big factor for Cal this spring uh, with the additions of Kellen Grady, CJ Frederick, Oscar Sheebway, and then Xavier Wheeler is the most uh, recent name. Jay, and it's an All-SEC guy. He led the league in assists a year ago. What do you think about his addition? To the roster and just the pieces we don't really know how it's going to work out obviously like you said but just what do you think about that point guard an issue that Kentucky had a year ago they didn't they didn't have a point guard on the roster that could really get the offense started
1: yeah uh Savier Wheeler is, is a very good scorer uh, he's good with the ball and he's got experience um so you know you're bringing in a number of players whether it's CJ Frederick who's one of the best passers in the country uh, weighs a great lob threat. He's got tremendous size and strength and, uh, and ability. Um, you know they've got good pieces there. And then Kellen Grady coming in from uh, from Davidson uh, is is an I think he's an NBA caliber talent. He's not he's not a big guard, but he can really play. And and I'm not sure whether he I think he's played against Kentucky actually in his yeah. time at Davidson. But he's uh, he, so they're they're very good. They've got very good pieces. But, you know, look, there are a lot of teams that have, have had good pieces and have performed up to the level, you know, the pieces would suggest. But, you know, what Cal has shown over his years at Kentucky is he can take a group of really talented players and blend them together quickly. And I think I've said this a number of times. In, in 2010, when he had that his first team there, uh, of all those talented freshmen, I, I didn't think what, what – was accomplished there was really possible and uh but it shows that you know if you evolve and and change with the times which cal has done and the times are continuing to change but they've always changed um you know it's always been different uh, i always kind of laugh now that we have the transfer portal and you know we're talking about nil. um everybody's talking about all this change we've got seismic change on the revenue generation side, facilities, coaches' salaries, and nobody talked about chaos or mess or all that. But when it's, you know, when the players have a little bit of freedom, it's it's it's
0: chaos. I don't see it that way, but but if you don't adapt, um, you're going to get left behind. And you're talking about change, and when you look at this Kentucky roster, the way it's pieced together, obviously, Cal's bringing in three new faces from the high school route. It's a it's a lot of experience though on this roster. It's completely different Jay than any other Calipari roster that he's had at Kentucky.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I think so. But he's had experience in in the last few years, and and uh, you know it it works out differently. There there are more experienced teams out there than inexperienced, and the experienced teams don't always win. So it, it's kind of like when people talk about, uh, well, it's the experienced teams that win. You know the teams that have won most in the NCAA tournaments since 2009 have been uh, Duke and North Carolina or Duke and uh, Kentucky, excuse me, and those are the two programs that have had the youngest rosters. So, um, you know, it, it, if you're, people will count whatever they want to make the point they want, they'll count to say, well, they haven't won enough championships or done this. It's not like teams that only have experienced players. The same teams are winning all the time. You know, when you've got um, you know only a handful of teams that have gone the route of super talented young players, of course the overwhelming number of teams that have experience are gonna are, are gonna do well in the aggregate, um, and they're gonna have te- you know they're gonna have teams that whether it's Villanova in 2018 or whatever. Um, that you're going to be appointed to say, yeah, well, Villanova won the title that year and Kentucky only won 32 games, you know, and lost in the Elite Eight or whatever they did. Um, You know, it's there's a lot of facile interpretation out there. But getting back to your original point, you know, the the short answer is, I don't know how this team's going to do, you don't know, and Cal doesn't know. You know, you're just kind of hopeful that you put the right pieces together and you, you go to work and try to blend them together.
0: Obviously, we know how hard it is to win one championship. Uh, John Calipari has one at Kentucky. Uh, a lot of great coaches, Rick Pitino, Tubby Smith, have one at Kentucky. What would a second one mean, though, Jay, to Cal's time at Kentucky? Not just his legacy overall as a college basketball coach, but at Kentucky, a place where only one guy has won more than one. And that was a long time ago. But anytime you do something more than once, uh, I think it uh, it
1: just adds to whatever legacy there is. And you know, I'm not a big legacy guy because I think I think we tend to move on pretty quickly from uh, from things. Um, so whenever Cal decides to hang it up in Kentucky, um, uh, Kentucky's gonna you know they'll always talk about them when they're you know when they're bragging about uh, the success of the program but the truth is everybody will move on and move on to the next coach and move on to the next team um that's sort of the way it works and that's the way it should work frankly uh but but cal's already proven he's one of the great coaches of all time he's certainly it's it's as far as um you know success has been he's been as successful it's been Rupp and uh, patino and him and uh and that's it and and look joe b hall was great and tubby smith was great um, but the sustained success that he's had there and the multiple Final Fours, the, the what I would call the knocking on the door, yeah. um, he's knocked on the door as consistently as any
0: coach uh, in this era. And it's a league overall, the SEC, that just continues to get better. Kentucky's done well, so has Alabama, so has Tennessee. What, what do you think about the league overall in, in the last few years and how much stronger it's getting?
1: Well, it's getting stronger because they're getting better players. And, uh, you know, you get better players, you play better schedules, you're going to rise up, and, and that's what the league has done. Um, you know, so you can tie that to whatever you want. A lot of people tie it to – they want to tie it to coaches and all that, uh, and that's all part of the equation. You know, you have great coaches, uh, but, but great coaches aren't going to win without great players, so you're going to have to have players. There are, a lot of, there are a lot of coaches out there that are struggling. The reason they're struggling is they don't have, they don't have good players. And uh, So I think what the league has done overall, the talent level has taken a big jump uh, in the last probably five years or so. I mean, you know, uh, Tennessee's talent has jumped up. Alabama's talent has jumped up. Uh, so when that happens,
0: you're going to get positive results. Just a couple more things that I have for you. You mentioned NIL earlier. How much do you think that that's going to impact the college game in recruiting? no more than uh, facilities or coaches
1: salaries or private travel or anything else we've done um you know it's just it's just it's laughable the way people look at this that instead of the athletes being treated literally like everyone else where they can you know they have the same economic rights they've been at zero and so we're not talking about turning on the faucet so they can you know they can drink like everyone else we're talking about how many drips they should be allowed and, and we're hearing from administrators all this doomsday talk about, this, you know, the, the chaos and how messy it's going to be and this and that. And, you know, they have to have a national standard and Congress has to come in. You, you almost want to laugh at that because it's funny how Congress didn't have to come in with regard to facility spending or they didn't need Congress with regard to coaches salaries or they didn't need Congress with regard to media rights deals that, that changed the landscape uh, in a seismic way. We only need it when the players are going to get more than the scholarship, and uh, it, it'll be just fine. Um, look, look, there, there's there's been payment to athletes forever uh, in the in the NCAA's black market that they have created by these ridiculous amateurism rules. So, uh, and the world's still firmly on its axis. So I don't I don't see any problem going forward. It's just a problem with you know people wrapping their heads around the idea that if you're going to sell this product for billions of dollars, the the athletes deserve to share in it. And what you hear most right now are, like the NCAA will not pass NIL rules because they're afraid of litigation, which means they know they're doing something wrong. And if they make a change, they see it's going to be an admission that they've been doing something wrong and they're going to have to fight it out in court. And then they're waiting for the Alston, the Supreme Court to decide the Alston case as if the Supreme Court knocked on their door and said, give us this case. The NCAA took it to them and asked them to decide it, and now they're using it as a, as a reason to delay. Uh, it's, really, it's really ridiculous the way we're handling this, um, but, but it's sort of par for the course in the way you know the NCAA has done business
0: over the years. We all have opinions when it comes to possible rule changes when it comes to the game of college basketball, Jay. I know a lot of people throw out six fouls things like that. If there's one thing that you could change about the college game, what would it be?
1: Well, at first I'd go to quarters and and get rid of the two halves thing because with, with quarters you could reset the team fouls after the first and third quarter, and, uh, and there wouldn't be as many uh, free throws on common fouls. Like you wouldn't be saddled with a couple of bad calls or bad plays uh, that would happen in the first five minutes of a game. You wouldn't be saddled with that for the entire half. Um, and I think that would be a smart way to go about it. Uh, we are, men's basketball is literally the only game in the world that, that doesn't play with quarters. And, and the only reason is uh, that that's been articulated is commercial inventory. Um, there's too much commercial inventory to be able to make the change. They've done it in women's basketball, but not in men's. They've done it in FIBA, not in men's, you know, not in men's college. And the other thing is we have to change the charge block rule, that uh, uh, it's, a, it's been an unholy mess for way too long. Um, you know, the idea that you can slide in as a secondary defender in front of a, a driver that has won a path to the basket uh, after the, the, the driver has committed to leaving the floor and you can still move to get in front of them is, is just patently absurd, and we need to change it. You know, if you think about it this way, you basically have to be a set statue in order to set a screen, but you can be moving to take a charge. And we we start talking about all this stuff about um, you know player safety and uh, uh, and uh, sort of uh, reducing physicality, and yet we celebrate a collision um, in, in front of the basket with a charge, and that's got to change. You know, there's never been a there's never been a list of of uh, coming up next, the top ten charges in NCAA history. They don't do that, and
0: uh, and we need to we need to de-emphasize it and uh, and put it in its proper place. Jay, good stuff from you as always. Hopefully, some point soon you'll be back at Rupp Arena with some uh, Rupp Arena ice cream. Boy,
1: I, I want that more than you. I promise. I'm looking forward to that.